This year I was honored to be recognized with four other businesswomen here in the Southwest Missouri area. Biz417 put on an event, Women Who Mean Business, and had a live portion where we were all discussing what it takes to take risks and keep going even when things are not always what you think they're going to be in entrepreneurship and leadership. What followed was a really fun and inspiring conversation that the five of us had along with Logan Aguirre, who is the publisher of 417 Magazine. I was honored alongside Michelle Bilionis, the owner of Coffee Ethic, and Stephanie O'Connor, vice president at City Utilities, Carrie Richardson, the executive director of Leadership Springfield, and Melody Savley, co-owner and chief pharmacy officer at Alps Pharmacy. We talked about trusting your intuition and being courageous and separating our work from our worth and working through loss and excelling even in difficult industries. More than anything, though, we all came around to the subject of how important people are in our lives and how important support is when you're an entrepreneur and a leader. I hope you'll enjoy this conversation. Good afternoon. Welcome to Biz417, Women Who Mean Business Live. I'm publisher Logan Aguirre, and I'm so excited you're joining us this afternoon for a great discussion ahead. After holding its ground as our best-selling B-School event for five years, we have spun this off as a standalone event. And next year, hopefully we will all be in person for this. I don't see any reason why we won't. So, uh, but thank you for joining us for it virtually this year. And we're excited that next year um, we can all experience this as an in-person event. So before we meet the women that we're about to learn from, I wanna talk about how they were chosen. This is Biz 417's sixth year featuring women who mean business as our March, April cover story. From the get-go, when we launched this, we knew we wanted it to be a small group each year, sometimes four women, but no more than five. This is really in an effort to tell the story behind the women, their careers, and really bring out their personalities. We have close to 100 nom- women nominated each year. We're really lucky to have that many women in our community to be up for such an honor. So it's not an easy choice. Our editorial team and our editorial board read through the nominations, make recommendations, and help us narrow it down to the esteemed group you see today. We're looking for a combination of proven success, leadership, humility and vulnerability, and community involvement. I can tell you that I already admired each of these women from their nominations or from just seeing them from afar. And in the time I've gotten to know them, I can promise you they are the real deal. So let's meet them now. I'm gonna say each of your names and then uh, why don't you give us a little elevator pitch on your business and your role there. And then something fun, we want you to show us your favorite item on your desk and briefly explain why. Michelle Billions, we'll start with you. Michelle's the owner of Coffee Ethic and co-owner of Cherry Picker Package and Fair. Hello guys, I'm happy to be here today. Um, Our little elevator pitch, our mission um, stems around cup, people, and earth. And um, what that means is we, we ask ourselves the question, how can the coffee that we love help our community and our planet prosper? So that's my elevator pitch. And um, we're really excited about that mission um, and hope to expand on it this year. So my favorite desk item is a little trophy that my husband and I made for um, a latte art throwdown contest that we had at the shop. And this is common in specialty coffee to have latte art throwdowns and they get pretty crazy and fun. And so we, we just had so much fun making this trophy. 
So that's my, my favorite item on my desk. Very cool. I've heard of a lot of throwdowns, but I'm not sure that I've heard of that one. So I learned something new today. <laughs> <laughs> Next, Melody. Melody Savley is co-owner and chief pharmacy officer of Alps Pharmacy. Welcome, Melody. Thank you. It's good to be here. Well, um, gosh, I've been in pharmacy for 47 years and uh, we own Alps Retail Pharmacy in Springfield and Nixa and we have in Nixa we also have a long-term care pharmacy and a specialty pharmacy and I've been uh, very involved as a pharmacist I've been a pharmacist for 41 years and then I've also been really involved with state association and national association pharmacies and as far as my desk I'm actually at my daughter-in-law's desk who's our functional pharmacist but I did get a set of lovely flowers from my husband yesterday for my birthday so that's my favorite item on her desk oh that those are gorgeous and yes, good job are. husband yeah, <laughs> next we have Stephanie O'Connor Stephanie is vice president chief information and people officer of city utilities welcome Stephanie thank you and I am so thrilled to be here amongst this great group of women uh, as Logan mentioned, I work at City Utilities. I've been here almost 30 years. I started as a co-op here and have, feel, have been very blessed to have been here for my professional career. Of course, being a local community, it's all about, or a local utility, it's all about serving the community. So we do have um, a multi-business unit. So we serve electric, gas, water, um, transit, and we have broadband services. So that's a little bit about CU um, as far as my desk, I have two items. So one is this picture of my husband and I from when we were married. And then the other is a saying that I have on my back desk. It says, be kind. Oh, you are very kind. So I don't know that you need a reminder, but that's really <laughs> sweet. Next, we have Priscilla McKinney, CEO and Mama Bird of Little Bird Marketing. Hi, Priscilla. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. And uh, I just echo it, totally honored to be in this group. It's just amazing to have other people to call on. But at Little Bird Marketing, we believe that every company deserves a clear and an effective marketing plan. And so we created a system that uh, we're in our checklists have checklists and we actually are getting things done, but it's a digital content plan specifically for lead generation. And so if we're not actually putting those kinds of uh, things in place, we're also a global partner uh, teaching B2B people how to be social influencers. So that kind of wraps my day. Um, besides the two podcasts that I host, I have Ponderings from the Perch, which I've had for years, and we just started a new one called Digital Transformation Success. So my favorite thing on my desk is this coffee mug, and it says on it, I don't know if you can see it, but it's Mama Bird. Which is what I'm called here, but it's actually really special to me because I really try and bring a lot of voices together, especially online, create important tribes and start really good, important conversations. And I was sent this out of the blue from someone I met on LinkedIn and um, formed a great connection with um, through a women's uh, uh, leadership group. And it was just kind that someone sent something like that and made it personal. And it just to me is a real reminder that as we show up, you know, professionally for each other, it's sometimes it's just very, very little things that mean the world to each other. Beautiful story. Thank you for sharing. And next we have Carrie Richardson. Carrie is Executive Director of Leadership Springfield. Hi, Carrie. Hi, thanks so much for having me. 
Um, so Leadership Springfield is a community leadership program. So we provide opportunities for leaders to get inspired, developed, and connected with the purpose of serving and making an impact in Springfield. Um, I, I like to say that we balance the intense and um, immersive leadership development piece with the community engagement piece. So it's really not one or the other, it's both. And we believe that stronger leaders and the strongest leaders in our community are those that are plugged in, engaged, and really focused on what matters. Um, the fav my favorite thing, well, I am officing at the E-Factory, so shout out to Biz 417. I'm nice in the Biz job. 417 room, so I could claim that as my favorite thing on my desk. But okay. I brought I brought this. Um, this is just my family, and it's a good reminder to me of why I do what I do. That's awesome. And I know a few of us are Leadership Springfield graduates, so I have to say... Class 30 Wonderful is the best and no one else needs to say anything else. Okay, so we'll do a little icebreaker. If you did not have to sleep, how would you spend the next eight hours? Michelle. Gosh, I really love my sleep, but um, I would say I would be out in my garage creating um, these mugs that I wanna make um, out of clay. And so that's what I would be doing. I'd be starting that project, so. Yeah. And then I want to buy one of these mugs that you're making okay. in your garage. Okay. okay. It's a deal. Okay. <laughs> Melody. Well, I took that question as a never sleep. I didn't need those extra eight hours. And my first thought was I'm going to get caught up. <laughs> I think we're always, it's racing in our mind, the things that we haven't gotten done. And uh, my goal right now is to uh, purge, simplify and downsize. We have five adult children and five grandchildren. And that's the point in life we are. And I have a few extra projects that I've not been able to get to for years. And, and also listen to my audio books. I, I probably do a book a week and might be able to get a few more in. Yeah. Okay. A little organizing. That sounds good. Stephanie. Mine is uh, like Michelle, I do like my sleep. However, I would spend time with family and friends. Um, spending time with family and friends just makes me happy and very fulfilled. And so if I could take those eight hours and enjoy time at the lake or a happy hour or a getaway, I would find that as rejuvenating as sleeping. So that's where I would spend my time. Okay. Well, I would meet up with you if you were at the lake. So that would be fun. <laughs> Priscilla. I have to get my leadership Joplin dig in here, people. Come on now. <laughs> no, no, no. I said, I said all there needed to be said. I'm the, I'm the host. So okay. I get <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, hundred percent for me, it would absolutely be sailing. And I do feel like uh, Stockton Lake is the best kept secret. Please don't tell anybody. Oh, wait. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Like you can't build on the lake. It's Army Corps of Engineers. It's one of our just, uh, just natural beauty out there. hundred percent. I'd be out on our boat sailing. That sounds amazing. Okay, finally, Carrie. Oh gosh, I wanna say that I would do something wonderful like the lake or spend time outside, but to be real, I would tackle my gigantic, like never stuff that never gets done around the house that lingers, that when I walk in the door, I'm like, oh, I just wish I had time to tackle that closet or that project or organize something. And so I think I just like tackle everything on that list and feel really great for like a week. Yeah. <laughs> Just a week. I mean, <laughs> the list is going to keep adding, right? Yes. So. <laughs> While you're cleaning it, somebody is messing up everything else. Yeah. <laughs> 
Thanks, ladies. So we know starting a business or starting out in your career is not always easy. So what were some lessons you learned early on that you still really hold close? Michelle, we can start with you. Okay. Well, if we're talking about the new career of coffee shop ownership, um, I would say the one thing that I learned was to trust my intuition and to really listen to, you know, whatever it is for each and every one of you out there, listen to it, you know, and, and um, go in that direction, because I think it's really important that we trust, we trust that. Um, and also to add to that is that I don't have to have all the answers and I don't have to be the expert in every single facet of the business, you know, right now. Um, and you can tackle those things as you go. Um, I would say those are the two things. Those are great reminders. I need the daily reminder on the intuition. <laughs> Maybe that's what I'll put on my desk, Stephanie. Uh, okay, Stephanie, we'll go to you next. Okay. Um, so whether you're starting a new job or a, you know, a, a new business, there's a lot of unknowns and there's that fear of failure. And so for me, I've always tried to live um, behind three sayings, be true, be you, be kind. And I actually have it on a bracelet that I wear um, every day as a good reminder, um, because I believe that, you know, if you're genuine and you act with good intent and you seek to make a positive difference in the lives of others, happiness and success follows. So that's kind of, kind of the things that I hold close. It's beautiful. Okay. Melody. Well, the first thing that popped into my mind was always try to do the right thing. I like to be able to put my head on the pillow at night and sleep. We have a lot of rules, regulations, and, and in the way you follow all those rules and the way that you treat people. Also, we're in a small work environment. And I always say, try to stay positive and happy that uh, spills over into everybody you're working with and it spills over onto your customers and, and the happier laugh while you're at work and surround yourself with people smarter than you or uh, that are um, well-balanced people. And um, I have a saying that a long time ago, I heard this and I tell it to almost all my employees and, and it goes like this. People do not care how much you know unless they know how much you care. And uh, it's just so true in pharmacy because we could spill all these big giant words and disease states. We could go out there and talk to the customer. No, mm -mm. let them know that you care about them. You care about their health. You care about them as a person. And, and it grows a really strong bond and a really strong business. And, uh, and it just makes everybody feel better when they walk away. And my husband and I believe that praying for our business, showing favor on our business, and we pray for our employees every day and for our patients. And uh, we've been highly blessed. Thank you for sharing that. Carrie? Um, I'm such a task-oriented person. And I think that sometimes that lends itself to forgetting that people are really who matter most. And so what I've learned most in my career is really that, that the people are the most important part. And stopping and slowing down and making and building those relationships with people is by far the most important part of business for a task oriented, you know, executor, which if you take in strengths, I am an executor and that is um, a mind shift, but it's so valuable in leadership and also just in our careers to understand that. And I think similarly, similarly, along with that, um, I have a saying that I've used for years and it's be present, which I think goes along with the people matter part, because ultimately, if I can't be present where I am 
if I'm looking at email while I'm talking to someone, or if I am distracted with my kids, I mean, no matter where I am, if I can be present where I am, I'm better for my organization um, at the end of the day. Yeah, that's a hard one. That's a, that's a hard one to always focus on. I'm always like, what's next? What's next? <laughs> Those are really good. Priscilla. Well, we have a saying here that I started many, many years ago because I think all the leaders here know you have to learn it for yourself first before you can ever impart it to your, to your team. Um, but it goes like this, work your work job, not your worth job. And this is important for everybody. And I, I think maybe we could even undergird it and say, maybe this is especially important for women. We face different kinds of adversity coming into the workforce. But I experience it here as creatives because creativity is, it's subjective. Somebody might not like what you do and that's their opinion. And it, if you, every time you create something, you put it out and part of what they're critiquing is your worth, then you're giving people power they should never have. And even as I am very critical of our work because we want to have the little bird standard. And we, we you know, I have award-winning videographer and photographer and lots of award-winning graphic designers and content. But of course, we want to push, push, push. But when you're putting something out there, you have to have a space where you can be vulnerable, put something out that's very you. You know, art, art is very you. you know? And so when I'm critiquing that, you need to be working your work job. When I critique that, that has nothing to do with your worth. You're a perfect 10. You're going to walk out of here uh, today and nothing about what you actually did is going to affect who you are. And so we talk a lot about maybe you might have a role failure. I have role failures as a mom, as a wife, as a CEO, as a coworker, anything. We always have role failures. That's a role failure. That's not an identity failure. And so parsing those apart. So it's work your work job, not your worth job. Multicultural research is a growing necessity for brands across the globe. Partnering with an agency that understands the nuance of this type of research is essential for accurate and useful insights. Horowitz Research is a full-service consumer market research agency that delivers insights that inspire change. With over 25 years of experience conducting multicultural research, they have the methodological expertise and experience to design and conduct representative research that is effective and efficient. Visit HorowitzResearch.com to learn more about how you can partner on your next multicultural research project. During your careers, you guys have each faced unknowns and oftentimes faced it alone. I'm hoping you can share with our audience about trusting your own abilities and putting your best foot forward. Michelle, in our article, you talked about when, you're, when you lost your husband, Tom. You suddenly had to learn the business side of the business. Working through such intense grief while also trying to learn a business almost sounds impossible. It makes me, I'm like tearing up as I'm even asking you this question. Um, what helped you get through that time? Um, it's a big question. I'm going to try to, you know, sum it up, but, um, you know, um, at the onset, it's really difficult. You know, everything is so raw and, and, you know, grief is so complicated and different for everyone. It has a lot of layers to it. It, it, it really never ends, you know, I mean, but specifically, you know, when it first happens, it's, it's very difficult to, to just put one foot in front of the other. And, um, I just felt like a shell of myself for a full year, maybe year and a half. And I was just kind of, I don't even remember half the things I did, but I have 
notebooks to prove that I did things and I went to work and I, you know, um, and, and so that being said, I, I, how I handled it was that, um, you know, work and those challenges of kind of trying to understand how the business works, how it could be better and what my husband did before and how I can adapt that to better suit me. And, you know, and dealing with the name changes and all these little things that would basically trigger, you know, um, sadness. Um, but all in all work became kind of a distraction for me, uh, and a welcomed one at that. It was like, I could be there. And at times I could have blocks of time where I wasn't sad and I was focused in on what, what can I do to make this business better? What can I do to make it work? So that's one. Um, the other thing, which is kind of being, I, I feel like it's a theme with some of us today is, is people, the people in my life, uh, are so important. Um, uh, the relationships that I have had with, you know, I, my staff that was on staff when this happened was an integral in making everything run smooth while I was trying to learn everything. Um, and then I had, you know, dear friends and family, not only from Tom's, you know, friendships and family, but also mine. And, and they came, they were there for me. They, they would listen to me. They would help me. They would support me. Uh, they encouraged me. Um, the Springfield community came and knocked on our doors and asked for more coffee. Thank God, you know, and it, that's one thing, but, you know, and then the people who really motivated me were my children. You know, I have three girls and, um, at the time they were two teenagers and one preteen when this was all going down. And that was difficult for me to realize their sadness and their loss. And so they really motivated me to go to work every day and to put one foot in front of the other, um, because I knew they needed that. They needed to see me progress through the grief so that they knew they could. Um, and so it, it was difficult and I did doubt myself and my abilities, but with every new accomplishment that sort of diminished and I it became more com confident and knew that I could, I could do this and it wasn't rocket science and, and I could get through this and, you know, I still have bad days. It's been about five years and I still have bad days and emotional days, but, um, you know, I have people there to support and I've, I've gone to therapy and that's another thing that I really did want to mention. And that's been super helpful. Can do it with all the people and, you know, all the, and the therapy. So I hope that sums it up, but it's a big question. It's a big question. And that was, it's a beautiful answer. I appreciate you being, you know, just really honest about how hard some of it was, but I think other people hearing the, the mental health side of it's okay to go talk to somebody about this. And also just, you know, that putting yourself into the business while I'm sure was overwhelming and intimidating, you know, kind of helped you. It, it was, gave you a place to put your energy and, and a challenge to work through. And I, I just appreciate you sharing that know. with us. That was a tough one right off the bat. My gosh, it'll get easier from here. I promise. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Melody, you entered the pharmacy industry when the stereotype was still an older white man with white hair and a white coat. You had your white coat on earlier. You took it off. I did. <laughs> so cute. Um, how are you able to gain respect and bring confidence to the table each day? Well, first off, I treated everyone with respect and hope they would treat me with respect in return. I always stayed up to date, uh, business journals, professional journals, and uh, being knowledgeable 
and also learning, it took a while to learn to speak my voice. You know, if I felt like something could be changed for the better or innovative ideas, why don't we try this? Why don't we try that? And um, just basically gaining uh, our patients' uh, trust and knowledge. They saw that. But um, uh, I also believe in networking. I believe setting up a networking group with like-minded professionals has been very powerful for me. Uh, uh, we bounce ideas off of each other. We promote each other. Uh, we were very innovative group and, and it's just very helpful. And if, if you're young and you can get a mentor, it's really, really a good idea and just outwork everybody around you. Just, just do, just say, I'm not going to fail. I'm not going to do it. That's good. Self, good self-talk goes a long way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Stephanie, you were one of a few women that were on the technical side of IT at uh, City Utilities. So what kind of hurdles did you face? You know, even though in my career I've experienced hurdles, I don't necessarily see those as obstacles. As obstacles. I've looked at them as opportunities to kind of jump over the hurdle. Um, and, and here the environment has been very welcoming for women in the workforce. Even though we were small, I felt a little mighty. Um, it was kind of nice. Uh, so, you know, for me, I really think it, it being a female in a male dominated uh, uh, industry, whether it's IT or in the utility business, I think it's women need to be feel empowered to have a voice. So many times I think women find themselves, they want to apply for a job and they look at the job description and they go, oh, there's just one skill that I don't have. And they think, oh, I can't apply. I would really encourage women, regardless of the industry, to look at positions and go, oh, I've got all these other skills. I mean, I have that one. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to try it anyway. I'm going to, you know, make the, I'm going to take that risk. And so I really think it's encouraging women to be courageous, take the opportunity, share your voice, share your ideas. Um, and despite of the fear of failure, take those opportunities because they're opportunities for success. That's great. I'm sure you're very inspiring to a lot of women inside city utilities. Uh, Carrie, although Leadership Springfield was 35 years old um, at the time, you took you left corporate America and took uh, the leap to take Leadership Springfield into a self-sustaining operation. So talk a little bit about that jump. Oh, well, it felt like a leap <laughs> more than just a jump. Um, it's by far the most challenging professional step that I've ever taken. Um, but equally the most rewarding. So looking back, I'm almost three years into that journey. Um, and I think the hardest parts were me, for me were um, really trying to understand how to make the quickest, best decisions for the organization, but also 2000 alumni that the organization has of community leaders all over Springfield make the best decisions with really limited information very quickly. And also doing that, um, you know, as I was learning everything. So um, we talk internally at the board level and really about how we built the airplane <laughs> while we were flying it, you know? And so we had great, uh, you know, a great 
points to jump off from, but it was a lot of work and really hard. And I have, I was able to build a great team with a great board and just, um, trusted myself and trusted the organization. And I'm, I think I couldn't have done it without the support of the community for sure. Uh, but it's, it really is one of the re most rewarding things that looking back in my career, I was able to do. Yeah. You talk about the legacy of 2000 alumni. That's, I mean, leadership Springfield is beloved. So uh, you've done a beautiful, beautiful job. Thank you. Priscilla, in an effort to diversify your portfolio, you took a leap to buy Clear Entertainment in 2019. Clear's clients were mainly in the travel and tourism industry space, which was hit especially hard last year. So can you talk about how you navigated your expectations versus reality? <laughs> yeah. Uh, first, everybody nervous laugh. Get it out because it, it was hard. Um, but, you know, in June of 2019, a travel and tourism agency sounded like a fantastic idea, right? Um, but, you know, things were not what, what I expected when I really got under the hood um, there. But I have to say more of a backstory coming into it it's not that it's not that that it, what happened it when I bought Clear and tried to expand and things didn't work out the way I thought they would. It, it's to me that wasn't really as difficult, you know. When I look back, um, you know, 2011, when we had the you know the Joplin tornado here, and and it's nice talking with 417 land because people know what I'm talking about. But three weeks after uh, the tornado, I stood on the sidewalk and watched my creative studio burn to the ground. And so I had already really rebuilt my business <laughs> before. And you go through really, really uh, uh, intense uh, questions and you also learn how to bet on yourself. And I know that was mentioned earlier um, from this great group, but trust your instincts and bet on yourself. And so when I went into this and things were not as they seemed and the expectations did not meet up, the reality is I don't really have expectations from it. I, I had projections because it was a business decision. Again, my worth was not involved in how this was going to pan out. And so I was able to free myself from that. And I could, because of thankfully of that experience, as hard as it was, I could separate myself from my company and be able to see, okay, well, this is just a business transaction that's not working the way I thought. And it enabled me to quickly pivot, transition it. And now I have beautiful people that, you know, came from that acquisition and they're now completely brought into Little Bird Marketing and into our systems. And so, you know, it's really is a win, but to me, it wasn't the hardest thing I ever went through. And I think this idea that you're going to get, no matter what, what next step you do, that somehow it's going to meet expectations, I, I just don't walk into it with that. And I think that would be my advice. Just, you know, be a little bit open, you know, to how things are actually going to pan out and bet on yourself in the middle of it. I like how you're able to draw that distinction between the projection versus the expectation or your value <laughs> And your worth being tied into that, because especially when you own your own business, it is very much all the same. Yeah. And um, so if you can practice that mindset of shifting and then also reflecting on a past challenge and thinking, OK, well, I, I didn't totally like fall apart. I got through it. I know I can get through it now. Yeah. You just have to live a little bit and have enough of those so that you can <laughs> make it through the next one. For sure. But I want to add this 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 idea that I refer to all the time, which is the stunning discomfort of entrepreneurship. So if you're not up for that, then don't get involved because it is not a comfortable path. I'm not saying it's the best path or the hardest path or there's no martyrdom there. I'm just saying it's, it, it is a stunning 
discomfort all the time. <laughs> you have a way with words. <laughs> <laughs> so changing gears a little, let's talk about where you have your sights set next. Stephanie, you're a huge champion of women, especially inside city utilities. You already talked a little bit about it, but you have a new initiative, SWAG. Um, so tell us a little bit about it and give some advice on others who uh, probably after hearing you talk about it might want to start something similar within their own business. Oh, if you can't tell, this is where I'm going to light up. This is where I am just so excited for this conversation. Um, yes, we started this initiative not that long ago. And I'm, and again, I feel very fortunate to not only Gary Gibson, but um, the peers on the leadership team that have been so supportive of me wanting uh, to launch this program. And yes, SWAG. So if you don't know what SWAG stands for, it's Strong Women Achieving Goals. And this really, um, the mission of this is to energize and empower and enrich women to better not only their personal, but their professional lives. And so it was just one of those needs that, again, being in a very male-dominated industry, there's not a lot of women um, within the utility space, and, and it's growing, and same within the IT space. And so really wanted to do something where we could bring women together, where they could lift each other up, they could learn from each other, and create a network of support. So SWAG has three goals, and that is to achieve work-life balance. Um, it's also to be unapologetic leaders. So I talked a little bit about having the voice, you know, being at the table. Um, and, and when I mentioned work-life balance, you know, we recognize it's not always equal. You can't always have 50-50. It's how do you actually balance that in the day? One day it's heavier one way, one day it's heavier a different way. Um, again, to be unapologetic leaders. When you are invited to a meeting, don't be afraid to share. Don't be afraid to sit at the table. Um, and then really our third goal is to create a network of supporters who are your champions. So build relationships with others who will support your personal and professional goals and be a champion for you. So that's really our goals. And then the program itself, uh, when we kicked that off, we had within five days, just over 45% of the women in our organization sign up. And so that was exciting. We are, it's kind of based on, I looked at the lean in strategy. Um, if you've read the lean in book by Cheryl Sandberg, creating a circle. So I created a circle of swag. And so we want everyone to join the circle of swag. And so what, what we're doing is all the women that signed up, we, um, have put them into smaller groups of five or six and we have swag leaders. So each of the groups will meet once a month. We will have a common topic across all groups, but the purpose of the groups is also for that small group of five for you to learn from each other, talk about things that are relatable to your group. And it's a mix of women that you may not work with every day. So you can create this different network of support. We're going to do that. We'll stay in those groups for about eight months. And then we're going to switch again, trying to create a wider network as we continue to learn from each other. So that's kind of the other piece is we are also going to have um, speakers that will come in on a monthly or quarterly basis. So we want women to come in and talk about their journeys, whether they're a, a member in our local community, whether they're part of the utility industry or nationally. And so we'll have them come in and speak. And that's where we want our male counterparts to join in 
and learn and understand and figure out those working dynamics from there. So I could go on and on. I will try to stay uh, succinct, but um, I'm really excited about the program. And I've had so many uh, others that have read about it, heard about it, not only in our industry, but here locally asked, how do we do this? How can we start this? And we've already had women here at the utility talk about the positive impact that's made on them. So I'm excited and I could talk about it all the time, but so thank you for that. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I'm sure there's, if people want to hear more, you would be glad for them to follow up with you and you can fill them in some more. And it'll be so exciting to watch the women go through that program. I know you're going to get to see them really grow a lot. So what a gift that you've created there inside CU. Michelle, you recently rewrote your business plan. Uh, You wanted it to fit your long range plan and align the business more with your personality and passion. Can you share with us what we can look forward to seeing from Coffee Ethic in the next few years? Sure. Um, Well, one, we're working on higher quality always, but we're really um, trying to amp up our quality in all aspects of the business. Um, The the most exciting thing that I I think I'm looking forward to is um, after our community forums or discussions that um, maybe they could be, uh, you know, an art, like a still life where we're doing art. It could be about music. It could be about, you know, grief. It could be about suicide prevention. It could be literally anything. We've done a little bit of that in the past with, um, with um, a gal that I met through the shop um, with uh, human trafficking. And it was really rewarding. And I thought how, what an easy thing that we can do because we closed kind of early in, you know, the grand scheme of things, we could open up our shop for, to become a hub for some of those things. And I'm, that's the thing I'm probably the most excited about, but there are also other things for like growth and ideas for um, making our coffee be more uh, accessible to everyone. Um, And uh, just refining our brand to include you know, things like inclusion and diversity and what does that mean and having discussions uh, around that um, and thinking about sustainability a little bit and pushing the envelope here in Springfield a little bit more when it comes to sustainability and almost to where it's uncomfortable. Um, and and because sometimes that's when it triggers change, in my opinion, and it's like, and it's a change that is needed. So, so you'll see more of that, um, you know, Currently, we're working on renovating our space, and so I'm super, super jazzed about how that's going to look and how that's going to feel for the customers, and um, and just moving forward, how that looks because I'm I, I care about that a lot, and um, and so anyway, more art, more music, more more discussions about things that really matter as we move forward uh, is what you'll see. So. Well, yes, you are, you are lighting up talking about that just as much as uh, Stephanie talking about what all the things she's working on. So it's exciting to hear. And I know a lot of us will be excited when we can have some meetings again at Coffee Ethic because um, right now it's a great jumping off point for a walk and talk, a coffee walk and talk. Uh, but I'm excited to see your uh, remodel when it's finished. Thank you. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie, I know we are both very passionate about great game of business. Um, that's we could probably bore everybody with talking too yep. much about that. So, <laughs> talk about how you about how you apply your business principles from your experience with Great Game to your nonprofit mission. Absolutely. I mean, when I think about the growth that Leadership Springfield has had in the last 
two and a half years. And really about a year before that, um, the board was doing the great game of business. I think that the great game of business is the single biggest thing that has helped us really make this transition. And the reason why is because I think nonprofits don't always think about the business side of the business, right? We're focused on our mission, which we have to be focused on our mission. But the, the beautiful thing about the great game of business, especially for social sectors, because the great game has now kind of a nonprofit social sector arm and a lot of support and resources for nonprofits is that the program or mission side of what we do is equally as important as the financial side. And so I'm able to, as the leader of the organization, work with the board and an awesome team, and we can look at our business at any moment and know, we know how we're going to end our year. We know how we're going to do with our mission, our programs, and we also know how we're going to do financially. And so being able to forecast and accurately and confidently know how your business is doing there are a lot of nonprofits that don't know how they're going to make it another month and i can i can confidently you know have a path for a year or 5 years forward and so there's great confidence in that. Um, it's also literacy for our employees in terms of, um, you know, really understanding the finances of a company, especially a nonprofit. Um, you know, Great Game has a has a focus. It's really like the number one step. People own what they help create, right? So when you have people at a nonprofit, including your board and your staff, invested in how the business operates from the mission side, but also from the financial side, you can do great things. And yes, I could talk about it for forever, but um, it has been a game changer for the organization for sure. Yeah. Preach girl. I mean, <laughs> I'm right there with you. It's uh, it's exciting and it, it brings a lot of peace. I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great. Melody, your vision for the next 10 years is to see pharmacists operating at the top of their professional license. I know you do a lot of advocacy work on behalf of your industry. For some, that can seem really intimidating. And it certainly takes a lot of your time. So why are you so passionate about this? And how would you encourage others who might be interested in getting into advocacy efforts? Well, I am very passionate about pharmacists and pharmacy, the future that, that we have, because laws, regulations, statutes, uh, rules are being made all around us. They're being made with or without our input. So you have to decide if you want to have an input on your future, uh, the, your professional future, because people need to realize that legislators have no idea about pharmacy unless they happen to be a pharmacist, which we have a couple of those, of course, but it's our job to educate the uh, legislators about what movements we want to see in pharmacy. And that's what we don't want to see, what we do want to see, and things that are of concern to us. Um, in the last two weeks, we had Governor Parsons come to our pharmacy to observe how an independent pharmacy is doing the COVID vaccinations. We've done over 3,000 vaccinations, and he was very proud of the independent pharmacies, and we showed him what we were doing, and we got to visit and talk with him for quite a while uh, about our operation and about how important uh, local pharmacies are. And then the week after we had a meeting with uh, Senator Josh Hawley with the, we got, had over 30 pharmacists. And then we also had pharmacy owners and students and we talked to him, his is on a federal level. And so we talked to him about the concerns that we have as we see pharmacies closing all around us. So half of our independent pharmacies in Springfield closed within the last two years. And we need federal regulation passed to stop that. And, and we just all, we, we took turns talking to him and he, he was very receptive to all of that. And, um, 
I just encourage people to sign up and join uh, their, their uh, state pharmacy association. It's where we, lo- we have lobbyists and we, hi- we hire and we make rules and I'm on the legislative committee and we talk about what we need to see happening. We're there in the trenches working the business. So we, we have to pass that information along. And um, then I also encourage you joining a national pharmacy association because that's more federal and they have lobbyists at the federal level. And then of course, if you have a local organization, I think it's really important. And I, and I know that a lot of these young pharmacists are having families and, and getting going. It's really hard for them. So sometimes it's up left up to some of the older ones that have time to diversify and get involved in this. But I highly encourage everyone to educate their legislators via email, via phone, uh, having them come into your pharmacy or flying into Washington, D.C. when the National um, Pharmacy Association sponsors that. And they also have a legislative day at the state level. Just get involved. Do what you can. And if not, ask me and I'll tell you. Uh, what's going on? <laughs> uh, I, you know, what you say is true. The, these things are going to happen and whether you're at the table or not. So you, you might right. as well figure out how to get at the table. So that's really good. Priscilla, my question for you is pretty simple. It's when do you sleep? <laughs> um, but you talk about your podcasting, you're traveling, you, you're a glo- you have a global fa- uh, fan, fan base, but also client base. I'm sure they're also your fans. Uh, you've created a proprietary system for your clients, but how do you keep the pace? Well, sometimes you don't. And in the, in the vein of really being honest and staying vulnerable and, and really being able to lean on your tribe, you know, I, I really underscore the stunning discomfort of entrepreneurship And I think for, uh, this is true for all business leaders, but when we are really being uh, faithful to our our women in business, our colleagues, it's important that we tell the truth about what's going on in our lives. And uh, just for, you know, let's go that route. So it's not working for me right now. I'm not sleeping. And um, last week, just case in point, I had a small cardiac event that landed me into a lot of trouble. And I think it's a very... A poignant reminder that, you know, we have to be careful. We have to take care of ourselves. It needs to be non-negotiable. And uh, we love our drive. I, I'm very ambitious. And, um, you know, I, I take it very seriously when I have, you know, all of my employees, families, financial, you know, well-being on the line. So you work and you work and you work. But, you know, this also figures in a little bit into COVID is sometimes we need to be woken up that this has been very hard for everybody in many, many ways and sometimes not paying attention to it. And because you have been able in the past to power, you know, power on, you know, dig deep and these kinds of things, that's not always the right answer. And it, and it can be, it really can be. But that served to me as a reminder that, you know, you can't work 60 and 70 hour weeks for an entire year through COVID trying to make sure that you're scaling a company and that your employees have something that they can really, you know, count on and also have something to look forward to without a price, right? 
And so I really echo a couple of things that other people have said, get a tribe. I don't care what you call it, but get a tribe, um, go to therapy. I don't care what you talk about when you're there, but go. And this, you know, self-care is, is just really important. And I'm not saying I, I do a good job at it, but I do know that my tribe helps me with it when I, when I, when I fail there. And I'm lucky enough to have an incredibly supportive, um, husband who, um, you know, who, who, who will do literally anything for me. You know, I, I haven't been to the grocery store in 18 years. So it, it, there, I have a lot going, you know, for me, but you have to sometimes stop and you have to really understand some of your limitations. So I, you know, I hope that that maybe is a message to other people there, there's success and that's great. There's a price to it. And if you're willing to pay it, that's great. And it doesn't have to be a horrible price either. But we all know that there are certain times where we have to make things work, bet on ourselves, figure it out. That's great. But don't forget, right around the corner, we need to take a deep breath and we need to make sure that we do take care of each other and take care of ourselves. And I think really to Stephanie's um, point, I think you were saying about work-life balance, it's not 50-50. It's not what we're talking about. Don't be haters and tell me that I got to go eat lunch. <laughs> you know, it's right. different for everybody. And sometimes in our tribe, it's more important to just listen to somebody than to tell them, oh, what you need to do is do yoga at 4 a.m. You know, it, it, everybody's different. You're going to need to find your own solution, but make sure you do have a tribe that you can talk to exactly the truth about the price you're paying in that moment so that when it is the right time, you can be brought back and you can uh, get that respite that you need. And I'd say that for everybody here. I don't care if you're a business owner or an employee. This has been a very, very hard year. Take it pretty seriously. Thank you for sharing that. I'll try to not take it personally that you're coming at me about 4 a.m. yoga, but you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> totally unintentional. <laughs> but if that's what works for you, I am going to support you. I won't tell you to do that. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I wrote this question before um, you had shared with us last week about your episode and, and I wasn't sure if you, you know, if you would feel comfortable sharing that or not. And I really appreciate you doing it. Um, I think what you said is really important for everyone to hear and just, you know, sharing that vulnerability that this, you're not, you're not right now, all the balls are not in the air. Um, and, and that's okay. And especially with what a lot of us have lived through and feeling the weight of carrying all your people with you. Um, so we had more questions, but we are running out of time. And I actually really love ending on that note, Priscilla, is what you just said. Thank you all so much for your time and your your heart today. I really appreciate it. And um, I can't wait until I see all of you in person next. Thank you, guys. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.